Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Great to see you. Great to see you here. I'm very excited about our movie tonight. I'm very excited. I might get animated um, because it's such a great, great, great classic healing movie. And, um, and even being such a great movie, it's like when we pray during the week, we, we put out a poll and we, we ask you to vote on, on these topics. And those were some great themes, great themes and great topics this week. I think probably all of you could, uh, if you saw the, even the survey, you know, number one, coming in at number one, survey says need for approval. Anybody here ever experienced any need for approval? Wow, this movie is going after that one big time. It's very relevant, very applicable. Survey said, number two, need for control. Has anybody here experienced a need for control in time and space? In any of your relationships, with your job, with your politicians, with the environment, with the ants that get into your, your living room or your bedroom and you think, what? No, no, no. No ants. No, no. And no roaches. Cockroaches. No. Forbidden. In our bedroom. No. No, no, no. And, and then number three is fear of commitment. Has anybody ever had any fear of commitment? Okay. <laughs> That's a good one too. And, you know, you, you can take that in many ways. Fear of commitment in relationships, fear of commitment in your spiritual journey, fear of commitment uh, in your career, uh, fear of commitment when you sign a lease, uh, you know, whatever. It could be that, I think those are like three Grand Slam home run topics. And so we, we did a lot of praying to come up with a movie that would really go, go after those three. And then we always do like it when a movie goes all the way. We love it when it, it hits the home run, when it, it goes for totally unraveling all of time and space. It doesn't mess with the ego part of the way. It goes right for the jugular. It goes for the whole kit and caboodle. It's, it's just your Truman Show kind of matrix, kind of classic movie. It's, it's going for the unraveling of everything. It's like the same spirit of frequency. This, this is a quantum movie. This actually qualifies. This is a, this is a quantum movie. And, and we don't see that many of them, but when they come along, they're rare. They're like diamonds. They're like diamonds. So let me just take a look at the... Before we start, I'm just going to give you a, a little context for those topics because this world is a world of mesmerism. That's what Susan was using two or three times already. Here we were just talking. Mesmerism. This world is sneaky, it's mesmerizing, it gets you so forgetting the love of God and forgetting the trauma of the separation, and it gets you so into the details of persons, places, things, opinions, night and day seemingly, and it gets you like, it lulls you to deeper to sleep with this, you know, sun comes up, sun goes down, after a while you're like, sun comes up, down, Day, night, night, one day after the next, after the next. 
It's just another day. It's just another day. You you get mesmerized into time and space, and you forget all about spirit, all about divine love, and the ego made it so sneaky and so mesmerizing that you would get caught up with all these rhythms. And, and now even they say, oh, the rhythms of nature, and the rhythms of the tide, and the rhythms of the, the day and the night, as if that's somehow eternal. It's not. It's all part of mesmerism, to keep your mind asleep and dreaming. So, when we talk about need for approval, the ego is a very shaky identity. Why? It's because it's not true. God didn't create the ego, so it's, it's very shaky. Even if you believe you have a strong, powerful personality, and in this movie, the main character, she's, she's pretty, uh, this is, I think high school, right? Late high school, but she's, she's got a, what she thinks is a pretty good self-concept for high school, you know. She's, she's pretty independent, most people would say, that's good, if you're in high school and you feel kind of a sense of independence, that's good. She's got a, a boyfriend, she has a group of friends, she's hanging with her friends. When I was in high school, I was kind of a loner. I mean, I had a few friends, but I didn't have like a, a, a close-knit little group. What do they call that when you have a, a click? A click. She's got a click. It's part of the mesmerism, she's got a good click. Many of us have lonely <laughs> times. They, she's, she's popular. She's popular too. You got a clique, you got a boyfriend, popular, independent, good, 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 good. You know, she seems to be doing really, she has an adapted self-concept in time and space that seems to be pretty good, you know. She's, she's probably going to be in, like, she's one of those in the yearbook, you know, that, that, you know, I got in the yearbook too, but for most quiet. I was voted most quiet in my senior class, you know. That's not, that's not a good way to get into the yearbook. They had me holding a microphone, poking fun that I never spoke. That's what my yearbook picture is. Me and the most quiet female, we both had, had microphones. Like, ha let's put microphones in there and take a photo. Put it in the yearbook. No, no, she's popular. But that's what makes this movie so helpful because she's, she's going to need some strong experiences to start to dismantle, to get down through the layers. So let's look at those three topics. Need for approval. The reason we have need for approval from our parents, from our peers, peer pressure, the reason we, we have such a strong need for approval, especially pretty much when we're in high school. That's like, when you're in adolescence, that's really big time, you know. It's like your soul is falling asleep and you're like, love me, need me, want me, May am I popular? What do I have to do to be popular, you know? It's so extreme, but the reason that it's there is because the ego is the false identity and because there's no certainty in the ego, there's no certainty in the death wish, then this self-concept, which is a personality self and relationships that are surrounded around the personality, and the environment that surrounds the personality, that self-concept is extremely shaky. Even if you're popular, even if you get good grades, even if 
you know, you seem to be successful, even if you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you check those things and you still feel pretty shaky. Uh, you're still wondering, am I going to make it? Is, is, can I, do I need to do better? Do I, can I do more? And you definitely want approval from parents, teachers, peers, siblings, and so on and so forth. Control. Why is there such a strong need for control with, with this time-space identity? It's because the mind has pushed out of awareness the actual need for control, because in heaven there is no control, but when you fall asleep and you've believed you've separated from God or separated from heaven, then back in your mind, actually, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are back there saying, they actually use control in a helpful way. How is control helpful? Well, listen to Jesus. Jesus says, you can actually control the direction of your thinking. You actually can control the direction of your thinking. You can actually control whether you choose ego or Holy Spirit. That is the only sense of free will that you have left. Free will is basically only in heaven and nirvana, but the only reflection that we have in the split mind of free will is, is that we can control the direction of our thinking. Does that take mind training? It takes a lot of mind training. Ask Buddha if, if it takes any mind control and mind training to only be lined up. Ask Jesus, ask Ramana Maharshi, ask Yogananda, ask anyone, ask me. I'll, we'll all tell you the same thing. You can control the direction of your thinking, but you really have to have a strong desire. That has to be almost like in India, you know, where the master would push the, the, the seeker under the water until they almost come up gasping for air. You probably have heard the story. They come and take a huge breath. And then the master says, when you want enlightenment as much as you want your next breath, you shall have enlightenment. You know, it's the desire. You must, you must want enlightenment. You must want the self-realization. You must want to know thyself more than, you know, your television habits or your corn chips and, you know, all the things. You, you have to want enlightenment more than corn chips. Uh, and, or chocolate, maybe that's a better one, you know. Oh, David, watch it now. That's it. You're bringing out the chocolate thing. But you have to want enlightenment more than you want the, anything else, is basically what all the masters say. And, and so, in order to really get back into your mind, you have to start to have experiences that show you that you can control the direction of your thinking, but the ego does not want you to come even close to that. So, of course it does what it does with anything. It projects this important thing out onto the world, and then you have to control your neighbor, you have to control your partner, you have to keep the ants and the cockroaches out of the house, no animals except for pets, certain animals in, kitty cats, kittens, yes, squirrels, no, rats, no, cockroaches, no. The butterfly, that's okay, maybe a butterfly, but you see, how the mind gets into controlling, it controls the environment, it controls the relationships, the ego tries to control everything about 
time and space. All the scandals of the world are people trying to get away with something by still controlling and manipulating time and space so that they can get an outcome that they perceive they want for what? For their shaky self-concept. That's the only reason people lie, cheat, steal, you know, have affairs, do all kinds of things is because they they want something for their self-concept and they don't mind taking a few shortcuts. But ultimately, it doesn't matter whether you take the shortcuts or not. It's, it's, it's a projection. So Jesus tells us in A Course in Miracles, in, back in, right near the Rules for Decision section, he says, you have no control over the world you made. So let's put those two together. You, you can control the direction of your thinking, Ah, that's good. That's a good use of control. And you have no control over the world you made. So the next time you think about controlling a partner or controlling something in your house or controlling anything in the script of time and space, just remember that if the control is inside. And the movie will help us take us into the mind because it actually takes us back to that power of decision. And then that, we have to go even deeper than that to the power of our wanting, you know, to see the calls for love and extend love. And then the last one is fear of commitment. Why is there fear of commitment in interpersonal relationships? Why is there fear of commitment on the, on the spiritual journey? It's a belief in sacrifice in the mind. It's like, what's it going to cost me? Oh, I'm in love with you, but, oh, I do like being single. There are lots of good things of being single. Wow, I have to sacrifice all those great things about being single if I'm in a partnership. And then vice versa, you know, it's like there can be a value for another aspect of the self-concept which is in the world of opposites and then it seems to be a sacrifice to give up all the opposites because the mind is now accustomed to the opposites. It's familiar with the opposites. You talk about the Adjustment Bureau, this whole mind is, the, the whole world is the Adjustment Bureau. It's just trying to adapt and adjust with a self-concept. Anything to prevent you from going back in your mind and releasing the whole thing. Because if you get back far enough in your mind, then you're, you're back with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and you're more willing to say, okay, I'm ready to let the whole thing go. I'm ready to let go of this ego in all of its world of opposites. I'm not going to try to find solutions in the opposites anymore. So that last one, fear of commitment, coming up, survey says third. Maybe next week it'll be number one, but for now, in the third place, the third horse in the running is fear of commitment and, and that, that really is, ultimately it's the fear of the atonement, it's the fear of the light, it's the fear of divine love, it's the belief that I will lose my individuality. It's the belief that the world's not all that bad and, oh, I don't, do I have to give it all up or can I keep part of it? Can I, can I keep part of it, please, please? You know, it's still not seeing that, that all of it, everything of time and space is just a projection of lack. So when you, Want something in the world, it means you already believe you're lacking in the mind and then you want to acquire, attain, possess, achieve something in time and space to fill the empty hole inside from believing that 
that you're something that you're not, from believing that you could separate from the source. So this is, this is a good one too because um, the main character is going to start to question her relationships. She's going to question what's the point of time and space. Just like Phil in Groundhog Day, Bill Murray, you know, the more that that loop goes on and on and on, he's like yada, 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 you know. He gets, he gets bored, he gets depressed, he gets suicidal. You know, he, when Phil goes through the time loop, actually the time loop is a beautiful mechanism that the Holy Spirit can use to show you what's going on in your mind. Why? It's because when things loop in the, the way that you're accustomed to them, they loop so slowly that you're so adapted and adjusted to those slow loops called days, and those slow loops called years, and those super slow <laughs> loops called decades, that it, it's mesmerizing. It, again, it, you start to feel like that's just the way it, life is. Slow as a snail. <laughs> but, when the Holy Spirit uses the time loop metaphor, then, wow, you get to see your patterns. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, maybe you just think, I, I think I need to go to past life regression therapist. And you go to visit this past life regression therapist and she shows you like 43 of your lives. And you're going, damn, I mean, I thought I was going to, see if I was Cleopatra, but 43 lives, uh, that's, then it's like in your face, you can start to see the same patterns that you played out for the, for the 43 times, and oh yeah, when you walk out of that therapist, you're like, you're a little dizzy, because you, you see that like out of 22 lives, you were attracted to an alcoholic, and you go, damn. And I'm, I'm with another alcoholic now, and I've been doing it 23 times. And then, thank you therapists for that past life regression, 43 times. Because, why? You're happy because you see the pattern. And you start to think, what is it about, that I'm so drawn to about that alcoholic? Or, you know, you start to see the nuances. That's where astrology uh, can, can come in. That's where the Enneagram uh, can sometimes be helpful. These kind of tools are helpful because they show you the patterns. And, and why is that helpful? Because when you're in the mesmerism of slow time, everything moves as slow as a snail. And you're just thinking, I'm hot and sweaty. You're not thinking about how many times you've been with an alcoholic. You're just thinking, it's hot today. I need, a, I need an iced tea. I need an iced tea here. I don't want to look too much, too deeply at these patterns. But this movie is going to actually show us the patterns in a fast way. So this is why it's a, such a helpful movie. It's like a, a great classic time loop movie uh, that helps undo the, fal the false self-concept because when you watch the main character going through the loops, you're going to say, wow, oh, that I, you, you, You'll feel the emotions. Susan was saying, this could be a flusher. There's some emotions that can get triggered by, by this 
movie and yet it's, it's all for the good because it's just a matter of showing you the patterns. Where, where are the patterns? Where am I still repeating myself? Where am I still choosing something that really doesn't bring me, bring me what I want? Where am I still looking out to external authorities um, or peers? Uh, where is it important for me to have a, have a good, a good uh, opinion given to me or a good evaluation? Where do I still feel like I'm looking for external validation? Th that's what's good about these kind of movies. So, so as I say, buckle your, buckle your seat belts, hold on to your hat. Um, we have got a great metaphysical movie again to help us zoom back into our mind, which is what we've been praying for. We want, we want to con be conscious of, of the things we're choosing. We don't want to feel at the mercy of the world, at the mercy of, of people, at the mercy of friends and family, at the mercy of, of the world even, at the mercy of the pandemic. You know, this, this is one of those movies that can help experientially, if you've felt heavy, uh, any kind of heavy thoughts, even with the pandemic and, and the situation on planet Earth right now, this can help like transport you toward that point in your mind where, which is you pull, the, you pull the plug on the ego. You get, you get to the bottom of things and you start to say, ah, I have the power to click my heels together like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. I have the power here to unplug you, ego. I have the power to, to choose happiness even though it seemed like it was covered over by all these other distractions, ah, I have the power to, to choose happiness and to choose joy. So, enjoy the movie. We may actually uh, have some great points to pause the movie because, um, yeah, it's really a spectacular movie. It's really a good, good device. Rob texted me, he said, I made my bed for you. Oh! It is yes. so sweet. No glove. No love. Hear me? Take it! 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 Take Okay, what a great start. Those are the besties. That's when you have the besties. You know, you have like a little click, you have little best friends, you know, how the ego loves that. You know, the ego is trying to build a self-concept that you will accept as real. And it doesn't matter, the ego doesn't care if you, if you pick just three others and, you're, and you have three besties and you leave the other seven billion out <laughs> of the besties, you see? Because, because it's trying to convince you that there's some kind of, of relationship in this world, of friendship in the world, and that's, that's a great start right there because for those of us have tried it, you know, where we had our, a phase where we had our besties, best friends, we know that, that that's, that's just another transitory phase that, that somehow the spirit is going to have to reconfigure our entire perception so that we can see all seven billion the same. That's really the goal of spiritual awakening, is if you can just see all seven billion the same, 
make this year different by making it all the same, then you're on your way to Christ's vision. And yet, you, I, I just had to get a freeze frame there at the beginning with the four of them walking into high school because these are the, the ploys that the ego does. It tries to in, invent associations where you're more attached to certain ones. And then you kind of get lost in that association. And that's what we call peer pressure. <laughs> it can be it can be a family association, it can be besties in high school, it can be uh, your graduating class uh, when you're in, in high school. You know, I, I know a lot of people and friends of mine, you know, that's a big deal throughout the years. You know, class reunion, oh we got a class reunion coming up, it's a, it's a five year class reunion, a 10 year, a 20 year, 25 year, you know, these are associations that the mind makes, the ego makes, and it tries to find meaning in the associations that it makes up. So that's part of the self-concept that has to be questioned. What we consider to be even besties, best friends, are, are part of it as well. And I think you'll, you'll notice in this movie that there's going to be a character that uh, is going to kind of come in that is going to be a mighty companion that is going to help unravel these um, preferences. It's going to help unravel these associations. A lot of times we don't even see it when it starts to happen. You know, we may miss it entirely, but, but the Spirit is going to send in the means for us to unravel the self-concept that we believe we are. And this, this movie has, has that aspect to it. Okay, let's let's go with the besties and see how it goes for them. Oh, this is great. You know, I, I just don't get this often this chance to, to talk about a high school party uh, in the context of spiritual awakening, so I really can't miss this opportunity. Uh, you know, it's the big night, you know, she's going to lose her virginity, uh, all the besties are there, We've got the guy whose his parents are gone, the liquor is flowing, the rhythm of the music is, is loud, the sensations are up. Um, there's, you know, this is just a beautiful example of, of ego distractions. It's just like an epiphany of ego distractions. And then, what's, what's the contrast? Well, think of be still and know that I'm God. Let's just think of, of a Zen monastery right now as a contrast. Now let's think of Alan Watts talking about the laughing at the joy of nothingness, that all of the universe, the cosmos, is mostly space. It's just space. There's a few planets and stars floating around, but it's just endless space after space after space. What do the Buddhists call it? It's temporary. It's so impermanent. And here we have a high school party as a contrast to that impermanence. What is so great about a high school party? I think it's an excellent teaching device to teach how strong the ego wants to make something out of nothing. This is the perfect teaching device as a contrast to Shakespeare, 
Much ado about nothing. To the ego, a high school party is not nothing. It's the big night. It's she's going to lose her virginity. You see how big events, birthday parties, anniversaries, losing your virginity, you know, all kinds of big events. These are all attempts to, to make something out of nothing. Look at the first lesson of A Course in Miracles. Nothing I see means anything. Now that's a chance. When you imagine it, you don't even need your course book to look around at that scene and practice. Nothing I see means anything. Because, because I love these movies that really show the fullness of gossip, of the fullness of stereotypical thinking, the fullness of Throw your mind into all the ego externals. What for? Because, because school is not so good. Most, a lot of people are bored with, with school because it's learning and they're not so thrilled about learning. Some people aren't. Um, all of the, the alcohol, the stimulation, the dance, the music, and the social. You see the ego likes a social event. Because it likes to make us all these associations as if something important is happening. And we still are reminded, nothing, nothing. What's going on, Jesus? Nada, nada, zilch, zippo, nothing. And uh, don't you love the contrast? Because this, that's, the movies start with what we've done. We've put ourselves, given our mind over to the ego, to distract away, to numb out, to deny, to project. You know, making fun of, of this girl with the long hair about, you know, using psycho noises when she walks by to judge her. Or um, judging, just judging everything and everyone, but it's almost like a click of judgment. So it's supposed to be cool to judge, you know, for most of us, you know, we've gone through that and then eventually we start to realize it's, it's not really cool at all. It's actually, it's actually quite painful because all that I give, I give is given to myself. But in the context of social and besties, you know, this, this is where it can start to become acceptable. It's supposed to be like cool. And, and yet, that's what's so great about this movie is it starts out in this particular situation because the mind is asleep and it's, it's actually very sad uh, when it's asleep and it has a lot of hurt and it has a lot of pain but it also seems to have developed a capacity to avoid that hurt, pain, sadness and distract away from it. So this, I, I do love the, these movies because of the contrast uh, value and, and actually every time I've seen this movie I, and I see some of these early scenes, I just marvel at how the Spirit just is showing something that seems so familiar, so accepted, so common in, in some of our experiences, and then we don't even have a clue of what our mind is attempting to do. You know, for a high school party, you know, this can seem like a, a very typical high school party. And when the mind gets accustomed to it, it looks forward to it. Weekends, oh, where's the party at? Let's go to the party. 
And then, wait a minute, are there some compromises taking place? Maybe like thousands of compromises taking place with this one commonplace event of a weekend party. But if you don't know what those compromises are, you just maybe wake up the next day with a hangover. You just maybe, uh, maybe your boyfriend is part of the, the losing the virginity thing, spills beer all over you. <laughs> As, as another one is trying to approach you and you are avoiding one and running into the chosen one just to have beer dumped all over you. That's a good example of this world. How when the mind is making thousands of compromises and it doesn't even realize the compromises, then it's in need of some contrast experiences to start to show it. How am I compromising? How am I compromising truth? How am I compromising my joy? How am I comp compromising this deep, intimate connection with my source? If I'm not aware of how I'm compromising, then I'm a sleepwalker. Then I'm just wandering through time and space, trying to find the best I can uh, to, to distract away from some of this inner hurt and pain. So, yeah, I hope you're all enjoying this as much as I am. I am so fired up to see a a party from the spirit's perspective. Uh, I just had Alan Watts coming to mind all the time during that scene, I couldn't help it. Uh, Alan Watts talking about nothingness. I was like, oh yeah, that's, oh, that's delicious. It was, but it was the context of the nothingness, you know, into what the, seems to be the ego's world. That's where the joy comes in. You know, you, you start to feel a hallelujah inside your mind when you start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm think, thank God that all those compromises I attempt uh, have no validity and no reality whatsoever. Okay, that's, we're going to start to get some good action going in here now, the mind action. <laughs> So there we, we have the surface and then the song that they're resonating with is saying, I want to get out. That's like your soul speaking to you. Even in the middle of the, the party, even in the middle of, sorry babe, sorry about Rob, sorry it didn't go that way and you know, I need some carbs and you know, back to whatever, there comes the song on the radio, I want to get out. That's like the soul's calling. The soul is, our soul comes from eternity. And as much as we may mess around and play around with the images of time and space and, and give our mind's power over to the ego, you know, there's some, that's the song playing inside each of us. I want to get out. I want to go home. That's what uh, Dorothy was feeling. That was her prayer in the Wizard of Oz. I want to go. I want to go home. But there's something inside of us that's calling, keeps calling to us and saying, "This world that you seem to live in is not your home. There is there is another world. There is another way of looking at the world. There." is happiness available to us, there's joy available to us, and yet when we're mesmerized 
into time and space and to the movement of the images, that voice is, is suppressed. But that, I know when I see this movie and I hear that song, I want to get out, I want to get out, you know, that, that, there it comes, it's filtering through time and space and it's calling us home. It's like Buddha, Siddhartha, you know, Siddhartha's in the palace, his dad wants him to be king, and there's this whole thing going on in the palace. And what does Buddha hear? He hears a song. And this song is calling him beyond the palace gates. And not only in the story of Siddhartha does a song come, in The Course of Miracles it's called The Forgotten Song, but this song comes wafting and he hears the song. I don't know, at this point in the movie they don't really hear the song. They like the song, I want to get out. But they don't know the full impact of I want to get out. You know, why they're so drawn to that song. There's something on another level that's drawing them to I want to get out. But Siddhartha actually, all the whole palace falls asleep. And so he gets his, his horse with his buddy, and they leave the palace, they leave all the expectations of the father, they leave all the expectations of the people. Siddhartha leaves everything behind that he's destined to experience and achieve, and he leaves. He just takes his good friend and some two horses, and everybody falls asleep, and then he goes on this quest to face everything in his mind. Well, our main character, she's getting ready now, like Siddhartha, to face everything in her mind. And, and that's why when you watch this movie, even the nuances of, I want to get out, is like, yeah, you got to love it. The Spirit is calling us with such a passion to wake up. Okay, let's see what goes on. How fascinating. How instructive to just go through a day. This isn't like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. This is radical. She's like looking at the same day, but she's not looking with the same mind. It's like she's got Eckhart Tolle in her mind now. She's at the same party, but it's like Eckhart's in there. Be aware of your sensations. Watch all the sensations. When you encounter Rob, feel those sensations. And how are you feeling? I want to go home now. Uh, she, she ventures off into a, a corridor, into the, the, man, the boy who host, is hosting the party. She's off into her room and, and then she's seeing signs like, be who you are. It's like, imagine that little voice of Eckhart Tolle in your mind going, Oh, what does that look like to you? What do you think about that? Be who you are. Perhaps that has some meaning to you, you know, now. Now, perhaps you have meaning. You see, that voice in your mind is so profound. Come to the presence. Come to the presence. Now is all that you have. Now is all that you have. Pay attention to the sensations. What are your bodily sensations? Be aware. Be aware. Before, she's just looking around at a bunch of drunk people, drinking her, her boyfriend. She actually has time to talk to her boyfriend this time, where she doesn't, she says, I don't feel right. And he says, oh, again, again, you know, get, maybe fill my cup up and, okay, let's get this over with, I'll do it. And, you know, it's almost like, 
there's this thing, and, and you see the perspective is so different, but she's just starting to be more present, Eckerd would say. She's starting to take it in. She's starting to be aware. You know how Eckerd teaches, just be aware. Be aware. What is it you're feeling? Are you aware? I can just see it. You know, this is like, just this is just her first replay, and already she's got some Eckerd awareness coming in. Just she's starting to pay more attention, to be more aware. Isn't that the way to the present moment? Isn't that the way to eternity? Just through awareness. And how fascinating that the day is being replayed. Not like in a linear mesmerism time thing, like every day seems to be a little bit different. But imagine before you came to watch this movie that you had a day today, and imagine your day getting replayed. The day, today's day, what you did today. That's all you've got, you know, you just get that. You get that every day with that beautiful Eckerd voice in your mind. How does that feel? How are you aware? How do you feel? Are you aware? Imagine this this day that you just went through today was your only day and that the Holy Spirit decided to use it as a teaching device to have you, how are you feeling? How are you feeling now? Come back to the present. Be aware. Be aware of everything. Be aware of all the nuances. Be aware of, oh watch what you said there. Oh, how does that feel? Does that feel good? You know, because, because the, it's clear, I will say the same thing that Eckert is saying, is, is that it's unawareness is the problem. If there's a mind that's aware of everything in time and space, and we're just aware of the tiny little personality self, and what seems to be just hours in one day, that's so teeny, teeny, teeny. It's teeny, itsy, bitsy, really microscopic. In the, when you think in the whole cosmos, that your attention and your perceptions down to this tiny little perception of yourself as a personality during the day. And the answer, of course, is the awareness of your mind. If you were totally aware, you would see the nuances, you would see the compromises, you would see the motives, your motives laid bare. If it was slowed down enough with enough care and attention to see this very day exactly like the answers are all around us because our mind and our awareness is the answer <laughs> and all we have to do is become fully aware and that may seem to take a lot of mind training <laughs> I'm not trying to say oh you just take the the red pill uh, and then you're done you know that when you watch the matrix when Morpheus offers Neo the blue pill or the red pill and the blue pill is just you wake up the next day and and believe whatever you believe and the red pill is takes you down the rabbit hole how deep do you want to go down the rabbit hole but when Morpheus offers that choice it's basically the blue pill is the wrong mind is sleep denial projection sleepwalking and the red pill is let me show you how deep the rabbit hole goes and you're going to be on a, the adventure of your life 
an awakening adventure, a joyful, exciting adventure of coming to know who you are through forgiveness. It's the most exciting adventure you could ever have if you take the red pill. And in one sense, our main character, Samantha, whether she's aware of it or not, she just took the red pill. <laughs> and, and now those spirits using a one day in her life and is going to use that one day, that just the scenario of one day, to wake her up. How spectacular. You don't have to think of years or how long this will take me. It's how willing am I to be present, to really, really, really be aware of everything. Because the more aware you are, you, you'll notice these, yeah, these assumptions, you'll notice these, these beliefs. They may have seemed like unconscious beliefs, but as soon as you open with that red pill, those beliefs are on their way out. They, are, they don't have a chance to, to the light. The light is going to shine on all of those beliefs as soon as you've taken that red pill. So I think it's, it's fascinating, and, and I particularly like how this party is being re-perceived. You know, she is being shown this party from a, from a different state of mind. And she, she may not even be aware of it, but she calls it weird. Like a deja vu, like she's reliving a day. But also, she's starting to notice a lot more than she noticed the first time through. And isn't that what you would pray for? To, to be shown more of what's actually going on in your mind. Isn't that the greatest prayer you could ever have is show me what is going on. Help me pay attention to the things that I need to see that need to be exposed and undone. Okay, we're still in the, we're still in the second round of the party. It's like second round and we're just getting to the exciting part of seeing how she's going to handle some of this. Remember they threw all the water on that uh, in that girl's face. You now she's got to watch that, all the judgments and the whole scene again and see if she sees a little more of a call for love there instead of uh, somebody who, who just accused them of being bitches. <laughs> you know, there's, maybe she can start to see a little bit of that call for love uh, that's, that's behind that scene. So rich, so rich. You know, now she's slowing everything down, she's taking time to ponder things. She's even pondering, what if everything that's been done can be undone? Whoa! Third time around and she's pondering, what if everything done can be undone? And what if I can change it? Oh my gosh! She is zooming light speed into the mind. Light speed! And it's interesting that this encounter with this, this boy, this is the third time around, first time maximum avoidance, second time most avoidance at the fastest rate possible, the third time now she stops, turns around, looks into the eyes, and she's noticing the rose that stands out from the rest. Before that was the odd one out, get it away from me, that freaky Who's the freak that's given me the freaky rose? And now it's like, ooh, she's starting to appreciate. He says, yeah, it's like a painting of a rose. You know, it stands out. 
This is how Jesus sends in the mighty companions. They're the same ones that have always been around you, but when you start to see them differently, they look a lot different. Instead of you thinking them pursuing you, wanting something from you, wanting to get something from you, suddenly your mind starts to open up, your heart starts to open up, and now you're going to pay attention. All because somewhere in your mind you think, what if everything that's been done can be undone? What if it's possible to change my mind? She's having the talk with the girls, her besties there, and when the woman, the girl with the long hair walks by, she says to them, why do we hate her? Wow, there's a question. That's a question for all of us. Why do we hate anyone? Why do you, why do we hate, why did somebody hate uh, Donald Trump? Why do we hate him? Imagine you're sitting around a table and you've been bashing Donald for three years and then suddenly you go, why do we hate him? And then the whole table looks at you like, duh, we hate him because his policies, <laughs> we hate him because his tweets, we hate him. You know, they try to convince you and you're not so sure, you're not so sure that Donald's the problem anymore. You, you're actually listening to this whole talk uh, from your friends and you're going, why do we hate him? <laughs> I mean, you see, that's a deep question. That's a Gandhi question. Now Mahatma Gandhi's getting fired up in your mind. Why do we hate? Why do we hate? And then there's still Alan Watts. It's all nothing. It's nothing. And Eckert's in there too. Be present. Be fully present. That's, no, that sounds more like Krishnamurti. <laughs> uh, he's in there too. And what, by the way, Ram Das is in there too. Be here now. Come back. Eckert, be present. Be aware of your sensory feelings. What, what meaning are you giving to your senses? What's going on with your senses? Krishnamurti's in there, there is nothing to fear. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I tell you, you know, they're all, here they come. The saints, the mystics, they're all in there. And you're just watching the same day, the same conversation that you had at that lunchtime. And now you're saying, why do we hate her? You know, why are we judging her? Why are we judging her? You can see she's starting to zoom into true empathy. She doesn't even realize how vast, how quickly she's coming into true empathy. But she's not going to be buying into rumors and stereotypical thinking and judgments and pointing the finger and blaming. She's, she's more into that maybe it, whatever was done can be undone and, and maybe I can do it. She's, she's getting fired up about changing her mind. And she has all the universe supporting her there about seeing the whole world differently. So I, I find these uh, scenes fantastic because it's not like she, she doesn't wake up in the morning when her phone comes on and tells her it's Cupid Day and she doesn't get out her Course in Miracles book and, and start looking at what's my lesson for today and everything. It's happening because somewhere deep in her mind she must I want to get out, I want to get out, I want to get out of this false perception, you know, I 
I may be adding a few lyrics to the song, but, but you know, that's what, what she's saying. I want to get out. I want to get out. I don't like the heaviness of this judgment. I don't like the heaviness of, of sleepwalking, of walking through this world without being aware. I want to get out of this false perception. And, and even without a spiritual practice, just by getting repeating day, she's getting a full opportunity, like a major opportunity every day. That sometimes we think if the, if the script can change or something, if we can avoid a certain kind of event from happening, just the look of relief on her face, oh, when it went to, to 1240, you know, uh, then she said, I love you guys, but it was like, ah, oh, I avoided, I avoided that crash, I avoided that death, I avoided that thing. It's, it's so much of a belief in our mind that somehow we think if the script was different, uh, we would be saved. If we think we could avoid certain things in the world, uh, things would come out differently, we would be happier, we would be more peaceful. Isn't that a, she just discovering now, the beginning of a discovery of that sneaky belief that somehow if the form was different, we would be alive. If the form was different, we would be happy. If the form was different, we would be in love, we would be peaceful. And we've done this, of course, with our relationships, we've done this with events. We also do the flip side, where we think back to the past and we say, if I only hadn't done this, or, oh, I made this mistake. You know, we, if you look back at the past and you start to think of the things that you've done wrong, or the things you wish you could redo, the things you wish you could do a redo on, do, a, do it differently, that's all just a form of the belief that somehow if the script would change, we would, we would be much happier. And yet, the whole teaching is showing us that everything we perceive is, is coming from our consciousness, without exception. That it, it's just a sneaky trick of the ego to think that if circumstances were different, we would be happy. If, if we could avoid certain things, if I could just replay the event, if I could just redo the event, uh, some of you might remember in our Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment, we have a, a movie called About Time. Yeah, if you really liked the movie tonight, you want to do a follow-up movie for yourself, nurture your mind, watch that movie tomorrow night, About Time, where the main character, he thinks he can redo scenes at the party. He thinks he can redo them and he tries to redo them over and over. That's really what this movie's about. That's really what Groundhog Day was about. He kept reliving the movie, trying to redo, redo. That's what the whole human condition is about. Every day that seems to be different is just because of a belief in the mind. Maybe I can change something in form and I will find enlightenment and salvation. Maybe I will find more happiness tomorrow if I have a better day than I had today, or I'm able to reconfigure the, the relationships, the circumstances, and whatever. It's a sneaky trick. It's, that's the ego's trick. It's always thinking things would be better if they were different. And, and Jesus is saying, yeah, 
things would be a lot better if you just would quit judging, if you would just cease attempting to interpret meaning where there is no meaning, if you would cease attempting to break things apart in the world and see the world as a whole, if you would cease comparing, comparing and contrasting, if you would cease believing you can manipulate the images, you know, and come up with a better configuration that you'll find happiness in a better configuration. There is no better configuration. <laughs> that's, the, that's what Jesus is trying to show us. See the world with me, he's saying. Come inside with me. Come and see the world from above the battleground. Then you'll, you'll taste a happiness that's always been there, but it's not going to come from changing the form and changing the circumstances. So this is, this is so fantastic because, you know, she's just more and more willing. I think every time it plays through with another round, now she, she just said, I don't want to go to the party. You know, she, it was like, uh, it was like, well, maybe if we just don't even go to that party, me and my besties, let's have a, a happy slumber party instead of going out to that uh, Friday night party. Let's have a slumber party instead. And it seems to be the, the clock, the, the time on her watch clicks past that. But now we get to see the Spirit showing us that that's not the lesson. Nope, that's not it. And that, all of us have gone through that too, where we, we go, whew, like look on her face. Oh, I love you. Besties, I love you. Jesus has got something else in store than loving the besties. It's a good, it, she's feeling more gratitude and appreciation and love. Mom, I think you're beautiful. You notice how she said that to her mom in the car? How sweet. The, the love is getting activated in her. And she's there with her besties jumping up on the, on the bed. And it's a slumber party. Everybody's in the PJs and everything. But it's still not the lesson. It's, it's just a, a step you might say a step in the right direction to, to face something that she still has to be faced, but, but she's not aware, she's not aware of what that is. And here's the key thing. Some of you might have seen that movie we did, Take, Take Me Home. And in that movie, I say a line from, I think it's lesson 135, you cannot know the problem that the plan is meant to solve. You see, that's the key line right there. You cannot know the problem that the plan is meant to solve. You can never know the problem that the plan is meant to solve. You've got to become so clueless, I mean so completely clueless, that you have to give up searching for problems. Because all of us have been what? We're as human beings, well, we're problem finders. You know, we're, that's good. We're, you know, some of us are in, in the medical profession, or is scientists, or we're managers. We, we have all these roles, and what do our roles tell us? You better be able to find the problems, because then you can solve the problems after you can find the problems. That's our problem. We are human problem finders. We are human problem finders, and then we be actually believe then we have to solve them too. That's what we get paid for. That's why I get the big bucks, you know. I can find the problems and I can solve them. 
Yeah, that makes us feel real important in time and space. We find the problems and then we solve them. Let me, tell me about what your life is. Hmm. Oh, you have a relationship problem. Oh, you know, you see, we listen to a best friend pour their heart out for two days and then we say, yep, that's a classic relationship problem. Who says so? Who says it's a problem? Who says there's a problem at all? Who says there's ever been a problem? Only the ego is the problem finder and then we arrogantly convince ourselves that we're, we can solve these illusory problems and what I'm telling you is you cannot, you cannot solve a problem. You can't, you can't actually know what the problem is and have it be solved. In other words, forgiveness, you're not asked to forgive what's true. <laughs> you're asked to, to see that what you think happened never happened. Yeah, there's Julie. Our last movie, Julie was sharing that insight, like, you mean it actually, this thing I'm still guilty for, this thing that I'm still holding on and replaying in my mind, it actually, actually never happened. Yeah, that's the meaning of you, you can't know the problem that the plan is meant to solve. You've got to get up, reach a state of, of connection, a state of, of congruence, a state of alignment, and in that state of connection and alignment, you're happy. But there's, there's no problem. In fact, that's what the realization is of the quantum or the miracle experience is that there has never been a problem. It, it, there never was a problem. Then you're going to remember to laugh because that's got to be the biggest laugh of all of, of your whole mind. When you finally go, ha ha, there was never, there was never a problem. Never a problem. Christ is, is with me, Christ is who I am and Christ Holy Spirit was with me all along with the gentle laughter. The angels were having a good laugh the whole time and finally you get in, in on the party. You can laugh with them <laughs> because, because you realize who you are. That's the, that's the greatest experience, that's the only experience, that's the only truth. So in this movie you can see it's so fantastic because she's she is now having the slumber party with her girlfriends, with her besties, and she thinks, ah, the time has passed, so she thinks that the besties and her have avoided this crash. Now, let's see what happens next. Somehow, the spirit's going to have to show some things in there and say, not so fast, not so fast, that's not the lesson. Hope Elodie doesn't puke in my car again and make it smell like alcoholic. Stop it, Sam. Out. Oh, I love that scene. I love it. No private thoughts, no people pleasing. The only way the Holy Spirit can take down the besties and your perception of the besties is just let some of those thoughts up and quit marrying the mask and trying to, to belong and run with the herd. <laughs> run with the herd. The besties, you know. Oh, those She's saying things that her mother didn't want to hear. She's not holding her private thoughts in anymore. 
Her mother didn't want to hear her. Her, her mother's partner is there. She's just gone right into the car. She's not, move aside, you know. You know, somebody get off on the wrong way, move aside. And then when she gets inside, there we go. We just saw their first expression session. <laughs> we do this in community all the time. But you see, this is what we mean by this is you're going to have to free up something. There's a lot of anger, there's a lot of hatred, there's a lot of hurt in there. That's why we can't figure out what the problem is in form is because we still have repressed emotions, we still have suppressed emotions, we're still bottled up in the mind. And the only solution to waking up from this world is we have to get in touch with what we believe, we have to get in touch with what we feel, and that's a good old-fashioned expression session in the SUV, you know. That's, that's probably their first <laughs> expression session. And I think you may see a reconfiguring <laughs> of the form there. The besties might get reconfigured because to the ego, it's like it doesn't want to hear it, you know. It wants to hold on to certain associations because why? Because that's what specialness is. Specialness is what specialness does. The, the mechanisms of the ego that it uses are one with it. Yeah, the, the specialness of trying to hold on to special relationships is to guard against feeling feelings of unworthiness, feelings of lack of commitment, feelings of being out of control, feelings of abandonment, feelings of hurt all these unconscious emotions that are there and the special relationship is just held in place to maintain a false identity, to maintain a defense against God, to maintain a, a defense against the Holy Spirit. I think at one point um, Jesus started, I don't know if it's in the Course or he was talking to Helen, but at one point he was saying that, oh, here comes Isa, Here's our, here's our Buddha. Buddha has arrived. He, he is saying that basically in this world, during what we seem to be the daytime dreams, he said all your time is spent in dreaming. Your daily experiences and your nighttime dreams are all dreams. So you're dreaming all the time. And he said all the dreams you dream are perceptual temper tantrums. Because that's why we get irritated and annoyed and upset as we move through the day. We only get upset because we're, we're upset at, that reality should be more to the ego's liking. The ego gets upset at people not behaving the way they should. They should smile, they should do this instead of that. They should behave differently. I would be happy if they were behaving differently. That's just an attempt to maintain special relationships and believe you can sort out between all the seven billion the good ones from the bad ones, the likable ones from the unlikable ones. And then there's another category for indifferent. You know, most people are indifferent with most of the seven billion and then they got their special love relationships, special friends, besties, special partners, and then there's the enemies over there whoever. They might be Donald Trump or Mussolini or Hitler or something. Or maybe your neighbor who, who never 
uh, takes his trash cans in. He just lets them blow around the wind all over the neighborhood. <laughs> and as you're backing out, you've got trash cans <laughs> blowing into your car, your SUV, because this neighbor never takes the trash cans in. You see, that's a special relationship. That's the negative. That's a special hate relationship. And then you have your soulmate. Oh, they can do no wrong. They're, the, they're so sweet. They're so kind. And oh, they're so loving to me. No, it's, Jesus is saying, you're using your, your waking, you think they're your waking dream, you're still asleep, but you're using your daily experiences to try to make special relationships to still guard yourself against from facing this unconscious fear and guilt. So it doesn't matter. Some of you may say, no, I am, I am Mother Teresa-itis. I, I am kind and sweet to everybody, but I have a little bit of a special relationship with chocolate. That's not so bad. I love my neighbors. I love all the seven billion. I love them all. And I do like chocolate better than poop. You know, I, I tell you, you know, it is not a crime, Jesus. I do. I like the chocolate better than the poop and everything. And Jesus says, no order, of, no order of difficulty in miracles. And there's absolutely no hierarchy of illusions. That chocolate and that poop are identical. Oh, come on. I just got over loving all seven, seven billion. And now you're telling me that the chocolate and the poop, oh, come on. But Jesus is saying, you can make special relationships with anything. You, you like a sunny day better than a cloudy, rainy day. You know, you like a certain temperature better than another temperature. You know, this and this. He's just saying, let's go inside and look at the specialness. Because again, you cannot know the problem that the plan is meant to solve. You cannot figure this out in terms of time and space. I love that dog. He is totally getting what I'm saying. He's happy dog, resting cat. But, but really what we're seeing is the specialness is the judgment in the mind and that's what is, needs to get exposed. And that's what the girls are doing now in the, the car. You know, to the world they might say, uh oh, that was a good friendship that you're messing with there. And you've got a little bit too much honesty or a little bit too much exposure going on in that vehicle. But no, it's not, it's not too much exposure. It's actually something we should welcome. We should welcome that when it comes. Because when we're hiding and holding secrets and judgments, and we talk behind people's backs, like Lindsay apparently was talking behind everybody's back, uh, but she's got some hurts back from when she was, you know, in, having that, that childhood and that things started to unravel a bit. Like there's some, she was the, the woman with the long hair, the girl with the, she was, they were best friends. They used to do sleepovers together and then at some point something was interpreted in the mind and all of a sudden she's a psycho. The rest of her life she, she goes from being best friend to psycho. That's a pretty big turnaround. But all that is, is there's, it's a failure to look and face something inside that, we, that she would project you know, from best friend to psycho. There has to be something deep and dark within that has not been exposed, some kind of secret that's under there. 
So we're, we'll just keep moving with this and, and it, all, it all gets flushed up. But I, I love these scenes when, when they start not hiding and they start actually letting up some of the private thoughts that are there, but they've been pushed down out of awareness. Okay, let's pause. Oh, did you catch that one? Did you see that? That once you start to loosen from the special relationship, wow, your mind is available. Your energy for healing is available. Instead of just playing the same old specialness games with the besties, as soon as the besties say, out, get out, the world, you know, Jesus says you can't judge your advances from your retreats, you know, to the ego, that's like a major blow. You just, you blew it. You lost your besties. And right away the Holy Spirit starts expanding your mind by, by saying, she's looking and now she's so much more available for holy encounters. She's so much more available to see the calls for love. She's so much more Oh, Isa likes this part. Isa's come out of his sleep. He likes, he likes the holy relationship. You're so much more available to find out what the holy relationship is. Because, why? Because your mind's not distracted in trying to play a game with the besties. That's why you're a miracle worker, because you are freed up to be truly helpful. You're freed up to, to fulfill your function. I see you, Frank. You're, Frank, you're watching. When you're out there at those 12-step meetings, working, joining with alcoholics, joining with your brothers all over the place, letting the Holy Spirit use you and everything, you are lit up. You are the happiest that you ever are when you're away from special relationships and just out there shining your light. Tell me where to go, tell me who to see, tell me what to do. You know, you just light up, you light up the whole world because you're in your function. And it feels so good. And then, when the ego tries to turn it around and focus on the body of Frank, or, you know, how it always, it's got, a, it's, got its own plan, you know. It's, its plan is pain. <laughs> and basically, it wants to, you know, you to feel the pain, feel the suffering, feel little, feel weak, feel frail, feel vulnerable. There's a contrast there. And, and you can see that sometimes even the situations when things seem to fall apart in our, as the ego would judge it, we're just getting our perception cracked open so we can be more alive, more truly in our function. And it gets more obvious too, you know, because we know how it feels. We're drawn. We're drawn to it. We're drawn to the light. And in this movie, you know, she's just, okay, you know, she really jumped out of character. She put on the mascara, you know, she dressed in the black dress, and she is not playing Miss People Pleasing uh, in this particular day. You know, she, she cracked out of that uh, special relationship, you know, that the clinging to it, and then suddenly now she's more available. 
she can look in and see the, the girl who committed suicide drawing. And now she's starting to see that, that, that oh my gosh, she has a passion. She has her own things that, that bring her joy and she's even aware of them because now she's taken the time to walk the other way. Her, her, one of her best friends said, turn around and you go the other way. Don't even think about coming over here. Yeah, that's good. The Holy Spirit's like, yeah, good, good. I've got some other things for you, like, like being a miracle worker <laughs> that's, that actually will bring you happiness instead of trying to play these games of pleasing best friends, pleasing certain people. I, I want to use you for the whole universe. I want to help you free your mind for the whole universe. And that's why the Spirit knows the way to undo these special relationships. Really it's just the undoing of the ego. Because the ego is just using the bodies to get something. That's what the ego is using. To get recognition, to get liked, to be liked, to be accepted. It's looking for always to use bodies to get something for itself. Remember, it made the bodies in the first place. God didn't create the body. God creates in spirit. The ego peopled the world. The ego put all these bodies there just so it can satisfy itself and draw things to it. What do you think fame is about? What do you think fortune is about? What do you think personal recognition is about? You see all these dynamics or, or dynamics of the ego just using the bodies to satisfy itself. And then when you give them over to the Holy Spirit, when those things start to break up, just when you think you messed up, I messed the relationship up, I, I lost my besties, just when you think you're a failure, Jesus is inside going, oh, 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 oh. you keep coming, come to me. I'll use your mind in a, in a way where I'll let you shine the light. And now you're going to send a blessing to everyone you meet. You're going, to, you're going to show up with, what can I give you? How can I join you? You know, we've seen that scene where, what's the, the girl that is, uh, they call a, a dyke, and they say she's, she's, she says she's in hetero-fucking-hell or something like that. What's the, her words? Hetero-fucking-hell? Because, because the roses go out on Cupid Day, and why? She's not getting roses because she's not playing the heterogenic uh, mating game with the roses, you know? She's not getting any roses. But nobody, uh, nobody's hearing that call for love, you know? She's, she's no different than anyone else. She's just calling for love. She just wants to be loved like everybody else. And yet she's not, she's not playing that particular game, so you know, she's got the specialness coming in a different way, but it's just, there's just all these calls for love everywhere, and we can't see them as long as our mind is too focused and too wrapped up in the special relationship. Because then it's like saying, oh, it's a, it's a crazy world, but if I can, Jesus, if you'll just give me one or two special favors, you know, just give me a few special ones, the besties, or all right, could you, just give me one. Just give me the soulmate. That's all right. The rest of the world can catch the pandemic, but if you just give me the soulmate, you know, you see how the ego is—it's 
just wants, it wants something for itself. It wants to get the goods. It wants to get the goodies. And it doesn't even, you know, it'll bargain. It's, okay, just one. Just give me one. And then, well, the rest, you know, that's, I'm indifferent. But really, just give me the one. And, and that is the specialness. It's always trying to limit love. It's trying to limit love. And, and love cannot be limited. In fact, you can't, it's impossible to know love while the mind believes in limited love, while the mind believes in partial love, while the mind believes in special love. And don't you just love this movie for helping us get past this. Jesus spends a lot of chapters in the text from chapter 15 to 24 talking about special love and special hate relationships, but he does say that, that ego's most boasted gift, it's like it, he also calls it a weapon, is the special love relationship. So this movie is like a beautiful teaching device that when you finally start to go, this sticky game of the specialness is not getting me anything at all that I really want. I want to know happiness, lasting happiness. I want to know full love, a kind of love that can never go away. I want to know the love of God, the love of my source. And this movie is such a great teaching device because I, I love this part now where, now that the besties have kind of cast her off, you know, she is, wow, now she's more available than ever to the Holy Spirit. Now she's, she's in the tractor beam. Now the Holy Spirit's like, now I'll, I'll teach you how to, to really use your mind in a very helpful way. I'll teach you to free your mind by being truly helpful. This is the answer to that prayer. I am here only to be truly helpful. She's like kicking into gear now with true helpfulness because why? She's, she's released all that energy she was wasting on the specialness. She's, she's, now she's freed her mind energy up to, to, to be truly, truly helpful. And this is where the movie just takes off. You know, you, you gotta love it. Even in Groundhog Day, Phil has to learn how to be truly helpful. You know, he helps the guy who's, who's choking on the steak, does the Heimlich maneuver. He, the ladies are in the car, they get a flat. He's got plenty of energy, Phil. Remember Groundhog Day? He's there, he's out there with the jack. And the, and the ladies are like, oh, 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 they don't even know what's happening. He's out there fixing their flat tire, you know. He, Phil, turns just like, that's how he gets out of the loop. You know, we can tell he turned, in, he turned into Mr. Helpful uh, there. He really got into service. He really got into helpfulness. And now we're going to see our Samantha character. Uh, now that she's got her mind's energy freed up, she's ready to, uh, to really uh, do some Holy Spirit miracle stuff here. Wow. So beautiful. Yeah. It's interesting that this movie is titled Before I Fall, and uh, we were talking about the Spanish version of this uh, translated, to, they give it their own title a lot of times with movies, but it was, uh, Marina was telling it's If I Don't Wake Up. That's the title of this song, If I Don't Wake Up, in Spanish, Before I Fall. And so, yeah, it just reminds me that 
that that's why Jesus teaches, you know, this course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is far beyond what can be taught. It, it aims at removing the obstacles to the awareness of love's presence. That's, that's, if I don't wake up, of course, waking is inevitable. It's destiny. There's no way to not wake up <laughs> because it's God's will that, to know Christ in, as perfect love. And there's nothing that can stand against God's will. This, this tiny mad idea, this time-space cosmos doesn't have a chance. It's, it's, uh, it's inevitable. Waking is inevitable. But the focus for us is really in taking a look within our mind at what do I still believe I can accomplish with time? Or some of you remember the Matrix uh, trilogy. I think, I think for me, when I prayed and I asked Jesus, will you remake the Matrix? And he, he took over six hours of Matrix footage and he put together a, like an hour and 20, 23 minute uh, mini movie. Uh, but one of the scenes that I really enjoy in the Matrix is when um, Neo makes it to the architect. Of course, you know, with, everyone remembers all the scenes with all the the uh, little TV sets and, and all the anomalies of him trying to fight against God's will and all the anger that's in all those things. And But the, but the scene that I really like is the one where the architect says, the door to your right, the architect tells him, leads to the source. And the door to the left leads back to Trinity and the Matrix. And I'm like, oh my God, that's, there's the choice. To get all the way back into your mind to the architect and be told the door to your right leads to the source and the door to the left leads to Trinity and the Matrix. And he, he doesn't even pause to pray. He, he goes back for Trinity. <laughs> he goes back to try to save Trinity. You know, I could just hear Jesus at that point going, seek not outside yourself, for it will fail, and you will weep each time an idol falls. You know, choose the source, <laughs> for God's sake. Neo, <laughs> you're the one, but you have to go to the source to know that you're the one. Uh, but... But when we try to save the body that we believe ourselves to be, when we try to save anybody, when we're trying to save the world, when we're trying to save the planet, when we're trying to save anything at all, we're choosing to sleep. Because Jesus tells us in the Course, only the mind can be salvaged, and it's only salvaged through peace. And it only comes from choosing the Source. You know, really, no matter how many scenarios we play out in time and space, and no matter how many times we do the Groundhog Day and we keep repeating the tiny tick of time uh, called the unholy instant, you know, the time of terror, actually we start to realize that, that it's not like the past is the problem, it's that we're using, we're using our we're using our choice to choose the past when, we, when there's another alternative. There's a real alternative that leads back to the source. And as long as we 
still believe there's something in form that we need to change or fix or whatever, then that's just a testimony to our belief that that we still believe in time and we still want to, we still believe that, that we can fix the guilts in the, on the screen. And the screen was made that we would never look inside. So I just love this movie when she, when she says, I have to have, I have to do one good thing. Her mother tells her, just focus on the good. Just focus on, on, she tells her daughter at, at dinner, one, focus on one good thing. Like, you can do this, and you can just see her, her face, like she's at the dinner table going, that's it. Focus on the good. You know, focus on, you can't correct the error, you can't solve the riddle of time, you can't solve the ego. You know, at one point in A Course in Miracles, Jesus says, instead of saying, don't, don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, he says, do only that. And it's, that's what the atonement is. Focus on the good. Focus on the innocence. Focus on that joy. Follow your bliss. Follow your happiness. Go for it. Go right to the light. Go right for the light. Don't analyze the darkness. Don't, don't compare. No, don't go, don't turn back into that darkened glass that the Bible talks about in Corinthians. You know, looking through a darkened glass. Go for the good. And you can see it when she's at the table. She's like got the look on her face, like like she's received it from her mother. And then she goes in. She goes through that beautiful, loving day of "I love yous," of of telling her her little uh, sister, you know, "You're perfect. Don't ever forget that. You're perfect." You know, she goes through the day, and then when she goes to try to uh, to save her friend from 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 killing herself, uh, she gets all the way to that point and her friend still jumps and says, says, no, it's too late, and jumps. But, but she uses that day in the best way she knows how to be truly helpful, you know, to try to do everything for the good, with her mind just focused, and even try to help her friend. But then that, that day ends with her friend uh, jumping in front of the oncoming vehicle. So, so then again, she's, now she's more determined than ever. Like she knows when she wakes up, she's calm, she's fearless, she knows exactly what she has to do. You know, like the movie Revolver, where you don't want to go, that's where you'll find him. Oh, she knows exactly uh, what her mission is. She's really clear. She's ready for that last day. Like, bring it on. Instead of, uh, will this ever end? She's like, she's calm, she's confident. She's ready to get out of bed because she knows exactly what she has to face. And she knows exactly what she has to do. And that's, that's what Jesus calls the borderland. He says, it seems like there's still decisions to be made, still things that are left open, but there's something in your mind that knows, mm, no, I know exactly, exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to love like I've never loved. I'm going to give as if there is no tomorrow. I am not going to hold back anything. I've got so much love in my heart and I'm going to give it all. I'm, I'm going to not 
hold back as if there's a tomorrow. I'm going to give as if there is no tomorrow. And yeah, you can feel it. You can feel it. She's, she's going for it. And then at the end, when you know, her friend says, you saved me, she says, no. No, you saved me. She, she knew exactly what her assignment was. And that's, that's so beautiful because that's what Jesus is telling us in the Course, that he tells us, even before you start the workbook, he says, transfer of training does not proceed uh, in, in reality as it does you know, in, in what you seem to be. I mean, in transfer of training in this world, it seems like you have to, you have to repeat it over and over and over and over. But he's telling us, if you can just forgive one person, just one, it will transfer to everyone. So it's not a cumulative thing. He's not telling us it's cumulative. He's not saying, oh, get ready to forgive, you know. I think even the Bible it says, forgive seven times seventy. I, I multiplied that out. I thought I could get away with 490, but actually, no, with A Course of Miracles, he's saying, no, no, it's really one. All you have to do is let go of everything you think you think and think you know about any person. It could be the person you believe you are or any person that you seem to experience in your life. You just have to see them for an instant without judgment, without any awareness from the past of who they are. You, you just have to see them in one clueless moment, one completely clueless moment. <laughs> that, that's what forgiveness is, is just allowing yourself to go into that complete cluelessness. And that's why it's very much that you can't know the problem that the plan is meant to solve. Because the only way that you experience the reality of everything is, is to be willing to, to not know. That's why the Buddhists keep focusing on not knowing. The Buddhists, you got to love their practice. Form is empty, empty is form. You've got to love it. It's you're activating your Alan Watts inside. You're, you're going into the void, but it isn't a void. We, Jesus is telling us it isn't a void, it's everything. It's who you are is the meaning of life. Who, who you are. She finally, you know, finally experiences the, the true meaning. That there's no loss. That, that the body is not, uh, is in the end, is not the lesson. It's the forgiveness in the mind. What happens to a body is insignificant, or as Alan Watts would say, nothing. <laughs> what happened there at the end? Nothing. Nothing? That was the way the movie ended? Nothing? Well, if you really can start to see that, that, that ego tried to make something out of nothing, but it, it, it wasn't something. The light the light of our creation. Now that is something, <laughs> not really a thing, but it's, but that's, that is everything. So, yeah, I just love these movies that really take it all the way because it's just showing us again, like, you are 
perfect exactly as you are. That is the one message that has to be given and received completely. That's all. Perf perfect. And, and how wonderful, you know, people are so afraid of like, oh, they call it the pearly gates or meeting God. That's, you know, for, for Christians, I think the way that they've perceived and the Bible, which, you know, can be a little twisted sometimes, but for a lot of Christians, they're, they're, they don't like the, the word, the last judgment. You know, it's like, ooh, oh, got to face the last judgment. You go through everything on earth and then you got to face the last judgment. And then I remember the first time I was reading the Course and I opened it up and it said, what is the last judgment? Well, I was a Christian so my eyes were real big like, okay, give it to me. <laughs> Let's face this last judgment. And here's the last judgment. Holy are you, eternal, free, and whole, at peace forever in the heart of God. Where is the world and where is sorrow now? I was like, that's the last judgment. <laughs> that's, the, that's the last judgment. <laughs> Well, you know, then we can start to welcome the last judgment because, it, thank God, that's the last judgment. <laughs> it's even kind of funny to call it the last judgment. You know, it doesn't sound, <laughs> I don't think the words do the justice to, to the joy, to the love, to the laughter, to the happiness. You know, it's, you know those words, last judgment, don't, <laughs> don't really cut it. God is, you know, maybe that's our... our our last spoken words, Jesus says, we say God is and we cease to speak, <laughs> he says in the workbook. So I'm just so grateful that we could share this experience together. What a movie, what a, what a ride, and, and so much fun watching your faces. <laughs> I get to see your faces on this ride. Uh, we share the laughter together, we, we share the the awakening, and uh, so I would love to open it up, uh, Eric, and if anybody has anything that they, they saw or they experienced or anything that they, they feel they would love to share, I would love to hear and hear from you because it's, uh, wow, what a precious, what a precious experience. Yeah, it looks like Esther raised her hand. Go ahead, Esther. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. This was a miracle. I, um, Growing up, I experienced a lot of um, what this girl went through, different cycles of it, um, experiencing how to relive the same day over and over again, even though there were changes, stuff like that. It happened to me a lot. And at some point in my life, I said, well, when is it going to end? When am I going to forget? So, not so much so that I won't have to experience them over and over and over again. Because I went in cycles about 10 years, every 10 years or so. And it was, it was hellish, even though the, the, um, the approach was exactly what she was saying. Like, how can I be most truly helpful in each, each moment? 
Um, but the but what came to me was about my relationship with my mom. I, I read in your book, "This Moment Is Your Miracle," that being a complete having a complete relationship with anyone is not where the happiness leads. And you say that purpose is really where it's at. And um, I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. And also, um, love like you've never loved um, is is what I got out of an experience out of um, transferring the training, which you said the last time about only wanting to be truly helpful when I'm talking to my mom or anybody. I really can focus on that. And um, what's happening though is like um, I'll have that in my mind, but I'll get a phone call from like uh, my mom in the middle of the movie and I get really, really coarse and I don't mean to be, but that's just what the behavior that, that arises. And um, so I just look at it, but I'm not really sure how to, what other to do than that. If you can give me a clue about that. And then it, it's not just with her, it's with just phone calls that aren't for me. It's just like a random, one of those automated calls. I get so angry and I, I, I just look at it. I don't know what to do. I, I, I can't believe I get angry, you know, and, um, or, or feel annoyed. What, I know that I'm not supposed to be annoyed at, at even a mosquito. I have a fly going on in this room and it's like, he's on my arm. He's, I'm just like, Oh, welcome. Welcome to my home. You know, I'm not going to be annoyed by you. No way. Sorry, mom. Um, and, and then no loss. Uh, I've been doing a mantra kind of thing with, um, I accept the, the death of the body just in my mind, just allowing that to, 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 to resonate. And it seemed like it was resonating to say that to myself, but now you're saying something much deeper. You're saying the loss of the body is nothing. And I, I want, I want that to be, um, I can feel it. It resonates with me what you're absolutely. So thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's not in the interpersonal relationships becoming healed because that, that kind of turns again into like an ego ideal. Like, you know, it, it can seem that it's moving in that direction and certainly there can be symbols of that. But in the end, it's, the problem was never between the people. The, the problem is a perceptual problem, as I, I keep saying, like a broken record. It's a perceptual problem. At one time, I think I was in Ireland or somewhere, and I said, this world is cracked. This world is cracked. I think they titled the video something like that, like, this world is cracked, you know, it's one of the videos. And I just went on and on about it. It's cracked. It's a cracked perception. And so a cracked perception needs a, a, a new purpose. The cracked perception was made out of hatred. Jesus said the world was made in hate. That's a pretty strong words. The world was made in hate. You know, we may not remember that. We may say, really? And he's like, yeah, here, here's a workbook lesson for you. Uh, what I see is a form of vengeance. That's another way of saying the world is cracked. You know, it's a pretty strong lesson. But we need we need a new purpose to uh, we need a new purpose to see the world differently. It's we have that's why we need the Holy Spirit's and Jesus's instruction because we've we're used to the ego's purpose for everything. The purpose of a cup is to drink. Oh, drink, drink. Yeah, how does that relate to heaven? It doesn't. Nada. Uh, there there aren't any lips in heaven. You know. 
Oh yeah, drink. You know, God doesn't even know about this world. There is no drinking in heaven. There's no drinking problem because there's no drinking uh, in heaven. God doesn't have a body. God doesn't relate to bodies. God, God relates to love and light and in eternal eternity. So, so once you start to get this, all you do is you start to really surrender in your heart. You go, ooh, cool. Jesus is with me and I'm going to learn. He's going to teach me a new purpose. I don't even know what it is, but he's going to teach me. Uh, one time I was, I landed in Bogota, Colombia, and they, they picked me up and they said, we're taking you up to the mountains uh, to do like a, an outdoor excursion. I said, okay. They said, here, uh, you know, you're going to need a sweater and it's a jacket. I just landed in Bogota. I don't have any. They've given me clothes. And they said, um, they said, we're going to take you up there. I said, okay, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm game. So we get, and the name of the man who picked me up was Angel. It was Angel, Angel, and it was Angel. I'm like, oh, cool. This is what I like about Jesus. You know, he just has so much fun. Picks me up at the airport, Angel. Angel is driving, and he's driving, and then he says he's telling me all about you know, okay, we're going to go through a real industrial town, and he's telling me the history, you know, of all the towns, and as we're driving up toward the mountains, we get into this town, and um, he, he says, I've never seen a town like this, it's so much traffic, it's like a major, major traffic jam going on in this town, and so he's sitting in behind the wheel going, there's a problem, I don't know why it's so much traffic, and then he looks over at me and he says, oh, you've got like sandals on. He said, he said, you need boots. He's already given me a whole new clothes set when I've landed there. And now he's like looking at my feet. He said, you need boots. So we're not moving anywhere. And he said, here, and he gives me pesos. And I, he says, go to that store out there in the middle of the traffic jam. I'm now out in some town I've never been to in in Colombia, I don't speak the language, but I've got pesos in my hand, and I look around, and I see a boot shop. So I go, and I go, and I get the... I come in, I say, okay, I'm all set now. Let's, where are we going? I'm going hiking. Got the sweater, jacket now. I got the boots. And so we go in there, and then we turn down this street in this industrial little town, and in front of us, a giant truck and a giant bus have tried to go through this tiny little road, and they squish together. And I'm thinking, wow, this is Columbia. A big bus and a big truck crushed together, because they both tried to run through at the same time, and nothing, the traffic is at now at a complete standstill, because only people can walk on the sidewalk because of this big bus and this big truck. And now we are... We aren't going anywhere. We are now in a parking lot. We are officially in a parking lot. And this parking lot is not looking like it's going anywhere soon because the bus and the truck are smashed together. So, Angel, Angel looks over at me at this point and he goes, David, you always say all things work together for good. I would like to hear your answer right now right there in the passenger seat. Uh, let's hear you on the spot right now. You tell me how this immovable traffic jam is working together for the good. And I said, really? 
do you really want to know? And he said, yes, I really want to know. Let's see what you've got up now. And I said, turn the radio on. He said, what? I said, the answer is on the radio. Turn the radio on. He turns the radio on. No kidding. Let it be, let it be, let it be, hey, let it be, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And you should have seen the look on Angel's face, just like, oh my God. Now, that's what we mean by a new purpose. You have to be disidentified with the things of time and space because Eckhart would have given the same answer. He would have said, you really want to know what the power of now is all about? It doesn't have anything to do with the traffic jam. It doesn't have to do with the destination of going hiking outdoors or it has really the boots, everything. No, that was just all just the window dressing. The, the lesson is now. That there's only now. And that's what the Let It Be song was. So these are the kind of experiences you have when you just have the willingness to say, show me the purpose. Because you're not really going to try to tell Jesus what the healed world is like, you know. It's like, you can make him laugh if you do that, you know. You can say, ground control to Jesus, I'm going to take a stab at this and, and I think I think if I heal my relationship with my mother, that should count, that should give me some brownie points uh, to get into the pearly gates. But, but you see, he's just saying, just, just be open to the purpose. Just let me show you the purpose in everything. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, that you can reach it through imagination or through, uh, like shifting concepts around in the mind. It just comes from your prayer of your heart. Because, you know, that's what you've been praying all along, is like, you're praying, I want this, this time-space experience to actually come to an, a seeming end. Um, I, I would rather be happy. And then if you put, I, w I want to be happy and, and I am clueless <laughs> on, on the how. Uh, but you are, are with me and you will show me, then that's the best prayer. That's the best prayer. Because then you don't, you don't try to offer anything. You don't try to add anything to it. You're just in that place of show me. Show it to me. You take me there. You take me there. So thank you. That's, that's it. That's beautiful. And also, when you mentioned about the phone calls coming in, your mother's, and then the, we'll call them the solicitor calls, it reminds me of a parable of David. One time I was, I stopped in St. Louis to visit my friend Richard. And uh, Richard was, he was a cool bachelor. I would land with him and I would, he would have all these Snapple teas lined up in his, <laughs> in his uh, refrigerator and pre-made sandwiches. You know, this was like the bachelor who, who just, takes the lid off the Snapple and never, ha he buys pre-made sandwiches, you know. He was like, it was a bachelor's pad, you know. He was like living there. But he had his girlfriend over. Uh, he's probably, he's retired. He's probably maybe like 60, some 65. And then we're sitting there and I, I'm having a Snapple and a pre-made sandwich with him and we're having a holy encounter. 
And I just love to visit him. He's such a sweet guy. And so I'm saying to him, I said, how's it going, Richard? And he said, oh, it's okay. I'm, I'm fine. And I said, fine? Are you just fine? I said, surely you, you have something that's stirring under there that you want to tell me about so we can have a, go through a healing process. And I said, well, what's bothering you? Is there anything at all that bothers you during the day? And he said, I can't stand solicitor calls. I can't stand when they call me, especially at dinner time. That really gets me upset. He said, when I sit down to have dinner and I have these solicitor calls, I get, I get boiling angry. They're like intruding on my dinner time. They, should, they have no right and everything like this. I said, good, good, get it out. Get it. So he really went on and on. So as soon as he finished talking about how angry solicitor calls are, guess what? We're sitting there eating, our, having our sandwiches and Snapple, ding, ling, ling, ling. And he goes, oh. And I said, I think you need to answer that call. But I think you just ask Jesus, what is the purpose of the call before you pick that phone up? And he just looked at me and his eyes got real big and I said, it just kept ringing. It's like Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, answer the call. So he went over there and he answered the call and he looked at me with the biggest smile on his face because this is how the miracle works. You have to, you just say that you're willing, you know, or you expose all your thoughts, judgments and everything, and then you have the tiniest little willingness to heal, and then the funniest things happen, like the phone ringing right there in the middle of dinner time at Richard's house. And it, it, sure enough, it was a, a solicitor. And he was like, looking at me, <laughs> hi, <laughs> no, I don't have those, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> he was just looking, making eye contact with where he had just raged <laughs> ten, five minutes ago about the very thing. And then Jesus is like, oh, let's walk through this one, you know. You can do it. You can do it. So that, I just had, that was another parable that came to mind when you said, uh, with your mother calling during the movie, or the solicitors, you know, I thought of, I thought of the let it be parable and uh, yeah, that. So... Just take heart and just know that all you have to do is just be willing. Just, you know, you're just saying to Jesus, take me, you know, heal my mind. Uh, show me the new purpose. Uh, if I already knew what the new purpose was, I wouldn't see a cracked world. And I wouldn't feel like sometimes a crack up. <laughs> uh, but, but actually, that's, that's why we need to forgive. That's, that's what the whole purpose, it's really just taking on a new purpose for the world. That's what it is. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Thank you for your devotion. We were just talking about you before we started tonight. We were saying, you know, there's Esther, and she's there again, and she's there again, and then even with the, the Spanish retreats, she's there, she doesn't, she's trying with the Spanish thing, I need help, I need help, I don't want to miss a thing here. I gotta forgive, I gotta wake up, you know. So we were just talking about you before this, the movie session tonight. Thank you for your dedication and your devotion. <laughs> your pen in hand, ready for some more notes, the blue pen.
is there. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, next we have Jacqueline. Jacqueline, do you want to go ahead and speak? Yeah, let me see. Okay, cool. So, um, so I was so drawn into the movie. I, from the very moment it started, I could relate to every single thing. I was so there. And I, I was like, whoa. I was scared about where it was taking me because I felt so drawn in and just like, I, w I was gone. I was right there. And I thought, oh my God, it's like, where is this going? And, <laughs> you know, um, but anyway, it, the whole thing was perfect. As you said, I'm just so grateful for the whole process. Um, but I guess it really helped me too to understand about the letting go of the body because that seems to be something, I don't know if other people can relate to this, but maybe you feel like, oh yeah, like I am sort of loosening up my grip on the body, you know, let, letting go of concepts and letting go of paying attention to what the body's doing and all the symptoms or whatever happens, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, you're back in the body, you know, again or something. So it just felt like it took me to another level, I hope, <laughs> of being able to See, I mean, I do understand that the mind is all there is and that that's, that's what I'm working on, allowing to be healed. But the body certainly does get in the way. It's like this strange phenomenon that just kind of drifts away and then comes back. And I, so I, I, you know, Jesus said to me the other day, he goes, the ego's trying to, I mean, yeah, the ego's trying to give you everything it's got. And all it's got is like body symptoms, you know, or like body senses or whatever, you know, or like, you know, just any way it can screw with your mind. And I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah, I need help here. I just keep asking for help. So I just wanted to, you know, just say I'm so grateful to everyone, but I'm, I'm really grateful for the movie. I, I don't even know, you know, when I do these online retreats and these movie gatherings, I have no idea where I go, but I go somewhere and something happens. I mean, it's like, I can't even talk about it. I'm just like, whoop, something, something <laughs> wild happens. So I just trust. I just totally trust. I go, okay, whatever needs to be happening is happening. And I thank you for it. It's perfect. Thank you so much. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. That's so beautiful. Well, yeah, every week they put out a, a poll of um, themes. So I'm sure one of the weeks they'll put out on Facebook, uh, one of the options will be body thoughts. And uh, you can rank that number one. <laughs> then we have to pray and come up with a movie. <laughs> okay, next we'll go to Susan. Go ahead, Susan. Okay. Hi, everyone. Well, Hi, Susan. I don't want to see me. There you are. So you mentioned Eckhart. You mentioned Alan Watts, Yogananda. Here's what I wish. I wish you, David Hoffmeister, was talking to my mind um, <laughs> back in the 70s. I really do. I wish you were interpreting and doing a commentary, even though you probably were, but I wasn't listening deep enough. Um... You know, recently my friend Elizabeth sent me some photos from high school. I think I might have shared them with Esther and, you know, a mighty companion or two. 
And it was from then and the next few years where I was having like really kind of outrageous experiences that seemed to become more and more extreme. Um, so when I was really young, I had like a chances are experience where I kind of knew, like I, the only thing I felt I could know was that God is. And I, I walked with that. But then I was in this crazy world in Brooklyn, New York, and having all these experiences. And But I just want to mention one quickly. Um, when I, right before finding the course and meeting that teacher I spoke about, I had such radically extreme experiences where I was living on West 4th Street in the village, if anyone's familiar with Greenwich Village, and I would go dancing all night. I wasn't wasn't using drugs or anything, but I would love to dance. I was a dancer at the time. Um, and then I met like a real character who was wanting me to take at the time, this is embarrassing, quaaludes and stuff like that. And then one night um, I'm on my, I'm in my apartment, the fifth floor walk up. And does anybody remember Tom Snyder, the newscaster? Yeah, yeah I remember Tom, but the big sideburns. Um, no, Tom Snyder literally talked to me directly. And he said, everything is going to change. He said, this world is a dream. It isn't real. And I'm like, Tom Snyder? And he, it's like he came out of the TV, but he was just <laughs> talking with me. And that was right before I made some very radical decisions. Because when I met that teacher, when I found the course... And I was told, you know, if you want to do this work, then you can't do this, 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 and this. And for one night, I went back, like, to a bar scene and dancing, and I couldn't be there. I said, that's it. It's over, you know. And I just really changed my life and was on this path. But, you know, I'm really sincere when I said I wish I had this kind of commentary back then because as great a teacher as he was or, you know, other guidance that I felt I was guided you know, this movie, it's just so clear and having mighty companions, you know, here. Um, I'm just so grateful. But Tom Snyder, I, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but it became, I just remembered him just talking so directly. You know, this is a dream, it's not real. You know, and then phew, found the course, met that teacher, and, and I meet you 40 years later. <laughs> Well, maybe we'll have to, uh, yeah, that's a great idea, though, you know, because we're, I think we're starting to get little prophecies coming to us now that we're going to be more involved with television or movies or things like that. So maybe you and I can work on a script for our own uh, Living Miracles Days of Future Past, and I'll be like Wolverine, and uh, I'll go back to the 70s, and I'll hear Roberta Flack singing, First Time ever I saw your face. And, and I'll sit down on the waterbed uh, and, and, and then you'll be this groovy chick uh, with, a, with a ponytail just coming in off the dance. And uh, instead of the David that was actually existing back in the 70s, which was just rooting for the Cincinnati Reds and the guy was lost. I mean, he, I wouldn't listen to him for anything, because he, he didn't have a clue what was going on. That was B.C., before the course. Uh, that was back in the David B.C. days. But, but we, will, we could remake 
we could do our own Living Miracles production of, of Days of Future Past, where we reunite the way, the way that I'm thinking now, and your curiosity is there, you can play yourself, and you're all like ready to hear more than Tom Snyder on the radio, on the television, you, you're ready for something. And then we'll take it from there uh, to, to a transcendent experience. But we could come up with a pretty good script, I think, for that. You know, we could. I have a lot of miracles, a lot of, um, oops, <laughs> I have a lot of uh, parables to share, you know, that I'd love to share with you, so. Yeah, that's good. We'll keep them for the script. <laughs> we'll, load, we'll load this script up. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Groovy. Groovy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll go with Annie next. Go ahead, Annie. Oh, me? Okay. I had, uh, I had lowered my hand, but then I was going to raise it again anyway. So thank you so much for the film. And the commentary, I get so much out of it. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about how when you watch these films that are about um, redoing the same day over and over again, it seems like, oh, if I could just have that opportunity, you know, I could really make some changes. And and uh, and so I, it's just a half-formed thought, but I was wondering, like, but there's that's like an ego trick because it's like, what's really the difference between seeing the same thing every day and uh, actually having things just be slightly different every day. And because I don't think for me, it's so much about being, I guess there's a distraction of it all, but there's, there's some kind of a fear that, um, yeah, fear of consequences. If I take, like, you know, I think when she's in the film and she does things like, um, well, for instance, like when she had sex with that guy, you know, I, even in my head, I had a thought like, oh, well, what if she doesn't wake up tomorrow and it's the same day again? What if she gets pregnant? You know, and I guess that's what it is with time. There's always this fear that the ego puts in there that there's going to be a consequence, that it's actually really important what I'm doing in form. So I can't take these risks. Anyway, um, that's the one thing that was um, striking me. It seems like it's easy easy to take these leaps when you are repeating the same thing each day and I have a block to, to not do it, to doing it when it's not the same thing. Yeah. And I feel like she makes such fast progress and I feel like, I feel like I've made progress, but it feels so slow. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, I'm glad you, you're making those comments because, um, you know, one thing we have in our movie watchers' guide to enlightenment is we we do have a lot of these loop movies, and so um, you don't. Jesus did tell Helen that um, he said you you can learn from the experiences of others, uh, meaning your brothers and sisters. Like you don't have to do it all individually, personally, like to learn the lesson. You can learn from the experiences of others, and then he said you can learn from my experiences. So Jesus was saying that the things that he went through, there's lots of channeled writings of some of his things. There's the Urantia book, which is a, a book that the last section of this huge book is called The Life and Teachings of Jesus. And um, 
you can learn a lot. You can you can like watch watch him interacting with the characters and the apostles and the women's corps and Mary Magdala and you know you can learn from the experiences of others. You don't have to kind of go through it all just in a personal way. Uh, that belief can make it seem very slow. And also, I said at the beginning, I said maybe as a follow-up movie for this, it's it's not really a looper movie like this, but it's called About Time. And I was saying that if you maybe want to watch something from the collection, uh, if you can get watch it on the MWGE with commentary, it's it's a it's a movie about a, a man and all the all the men in the men's side of the family. They have this ability to go into a dark closet. Uh, they just have to go into a dark closet or a dark space and think of of a sequence or an event somewhere in their life, and they go immediately back to that. And what's good about that movie is that he seems to try to he. He bumbles, he goes back to these times where he really bumbled it and seemed to mess it up. Either his love relationships or all kinds of things. And he tries to redo the scenes, you know, he tries to make it right. And so that's another good movie that can kind of give you a little more of a feel of the futility of trying to make it right. Which is like you're saying, like to get it right, uh, to not fall into these consequences. Uh, that are so scary. The ego is always saying, oh, if you make a wrong move, you could pay dearly for it. In that movie, it, it goes really almost to the end of that movie, is like a meditation, where he really starts to relax and, and just sink into the moment and flow through the day being like she was at the end, you know, very truly helpful. And, uh, but it's a different than a time loop movie. It's a, it's a little bit different uh, use of time. So I think you might enjoy that. I think a lot of people might enjoy the movie About Time. That's uh, Rachel McAdams is, is in that. And she, she plays his, uh, his partner. It's a very good movie. So thank you. I actually saw that movie recently, not with your commentary, but because you had recommended it. And um, you know where he gets to that point? I don't remember at the very end what he was doing, but I remember he was doing for a while where he would just relive each day twice. And I had that feeling then too, like, oh, if you, and I know this is what I have to get past, but that seemed like, oh, if you could just get past that edge of, well, you know what's going to happen. So you don't have to worry about that. And then you can just focus on being, you know, being, you know, w with your purpose. And so I guess that's just my little, that's what I have to do is just get past the worrying about the form. Because it seemed like when he could live each day twice, it seemed like oh, he just took care of that. Even if something bad was going to happen, you know, you know, that's going to happen and that's set. And now you can just focus and yeah, I'm just talking out loud, but yeah. That's good though. That's good. You're... You're getting there. You're you're kind of working it out. Like, okay, I just want to relax, and and there's a good section in the course called "Setting the Goal," where Jesus says, "Unless you have a clear-cut positive goal out front, um, then it's you know it's going to be difficult uh, to to really stabilize your mind." So, it's a new habit. 
So it's like, okay, you, so you want me to have a clear-cut positive goal out front, and that's kind of what rules for decision are about in the, in the text, where you decide the kind of day that you want. Just, it could be, uh, just to think of the feelings. Think of the feelings you want to experience. And then say to yourself, if I make no decisions by myself, this is the day that will be given me. That's really like setting the goal, like putting it out front. The, the difficulty comes in is when we actually believe we can look back, that it's realistic to look back. And Jesus says in the setting the goal section, he said, no, the ego is always involved when you look back. The spirit's never uh, involved in looking back. Well, that helps me too, because you're asking a question here. You're, you're asking, I want to find a way to like really relax into a purpose and not be hesitating and, and a little bit scared or fearful about how I'm going through this world. I, I want to unlearn all my old ego habits and I want to learn a new way. So I practiced that. I mean, as soon as Jesus got me into that section and then he kept taking me back to that prayer at the beginning of the book, I'm here only to be truly helpful, you know, I would actually start taking days where I would just think of the day that I wanted and then I would, you know, whatever, I'd go to the grocery store, he'd have me stop outside before I went into the grocery store and he'd have me like silently go through, I'm here only to be truly helpful. You know, it's like reorienting your mind. It's kind of like 50 first dates, you know, you have to reorient your mind. Uh, in a in a big way. We need a different use of memory. I can't keep using these memories to be second-guessing myself and rehashing the past and thinking how can I fix that and how can I change that and this and that. But it, it starts to, you know, you're giving me new ideas for my script Days of Future Past with Susan. Uh, we have to, we go back in time in the 70s to discover that we have to learn how to set the goal uh, and be carried through the day by Jesus um, without trying to uh, run the show or, or question, um, you know, of this menu of things. No, no, it's not a menu. It's set the goal and dive in there. Like jump in the pool with your goal in front and then see what happens. Just uh, let it roll up to you. So I think that's, that's part of what this is. You know, it's, you're, you're praying for some kind of a new way, uh, some kind of a, a simplified new way, but that's, those are the sections that are coming to me from the Course. Yeah, to really, to kind of jump in, take the leap, leap of faith. Okay, next we have Stephen. Go ahead, Stephen. Hey, wonderful, thank you. Um, right on, David, that was another uh, home run for me. And, and <laughs> what, what I needed to see, boy, it was just coming through uh, in terms of the, the relationship, the special relationship and the holy relationship and that brilliant contrast that's um, unmistakable. And when we're in it, man, everything is lit up. And there's that little origami bird sitting there popping up everywhere. And it's so obvious and it's so clear. And it's, you know, when I'm in my function, 
and it's just flowing through it like holy cow it's popping in popping in popping in the metal metaphors and the symbols are just popping off and i'm i'm just in heaven literally i i, I can't get enough of it and um it, when i'm in the specialness trough uh and i've got my my face dug into this you know my mind into the specialness trough boy they're 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 irreconcilable there is no question about it and so it's like okay i gotta get out of here so this film for me uh, tonight was so on point and and what was coming through for me was watching all the symbols that were being used and and how they were being used and i love their use of myth and then the whole cupid's day kind of like the, the groundhog day uh, the, the looping of it in specialness and the, how the symbols of the robes and virginity and um, uh, uh, Cupid, even even the, uh, Cupid, the name of Cupid, what his name Cupid means is um, passionate desire. And I shared on the on the chat room was that Cupid was the was the son of um, Mars, the god of war, and Venus, the god of love. And he's the symbol, Cupid's the symbol of that erotic um, um, attraction and desire type of love. And so, of course, every day is Cupid's day. If, if I'm wandering around trying to fix everything in, in, this, in this time, this place of time, in, in the dream of death. And I love that play here and how the, those symbols then got used to depict, oh, everybody gets a rose, it's Valentine's Day, Cupid's Day, trying to get laid, lose your virginity. And then you were... And that, that theme, virginity, is really um, a potent theme. It's really just another symbol for our innocence. So we've already lost our virginity, so to speak, if we're believing in the dream of death. But how the ego flips everything around here, and so we're chasing after each other. We're chasing the specialness dreams, and, and that just gets us stuck, and it's on that, that repetitive horizontal loop. But you mentioned the, word, the song Let It Be when you were sharing that story and how that, you know, when in times of trouble – Mother Mary comes to me. And I thought, well, well, yeah, well, who's Mother Mary? Well, she's the mother of God. Okay, let's, let's, let's break that down a little bit. Well, she's the mother of the Son of God, and we understand the connections. It's the virginity. It's the innocence. When in time, when in time I've lost my recognition and remembrance of the innocence of who I am, then speaking words of wisdom, uh, I get infused with those words of wisdom in the time of darkness. And I, just, I just love that, and and so and the and the, the wisdom is let it be, and then that just then begins to guide me. So I, I love how this 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 plays out, and for me, seeing that contrast with those choices, um, I love how they played with the glove theme when when her where her sister is trying to you know put the bird there. Did you see the bird? Did you see the bird? And no, you know I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that in birds. Um, it's Cupid's day and then and, and how she tries to give her her gloves. And then that theme of the glove struck me as she's blowing off the gloves. She doesn't want the gloves. Um, and then how later that came into play when she was connecting with the, with, with her, her, her love from uh, earlier on in childhood, the hero. And she noticed how warm his hands were. And that struck me as a juxtaposition between her, like when she was started to become on fire with the love herself that she could feel the warmth from what her little sister was trying to give her earlier on. And then, of course, when she gets in the car, the glove becomes a symbol of a condom, which is really Cupid's um, use of the glove. And no glove, no love. So no sex, no love. So you best get after it and lose your virginity and get entangled. And boy, I just, I just saw that in, in, it's exploding in my mind of, 
yeah, there I am. I'm, I'm either in my, my holy walk or I'm in my arrested development as an adolescent trying to make it all work on the specialness plane. I loved when, the, when her friend told her, she said, I will kill you in your sleep. And I thought, oh my God, that's the, of course, that's the ego. The ego is going to kill us in our sleep. Because if it's a dream of death, then we're going to be killed over and over and over. We're just going to die and die and die and die and die until we wake up. So yes, in the dream of death, we will get killed in our sleep until we wake up. And anyway, this was just so loaded, and I've seen it a few times, and it was fun to watch that. And I'll close with this. The part of Sisyphus is not an STD. Again, the same thing. Uh, Sisyphus is not a sexually transmitted disease. And it was like, well, no, it's not. It's actually a myth of... Um, Stop the dream. Sisyphus, it's not an STD, but it is. It's a myth of, of stop, the, stop the loop, stop the loop, wake up. And then, boy, you'll see origamis everywhere. So I guess the conclusion is if, if there's an origami bird on your bed, pay attention. It's some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. I, 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 Thank man, you. It's just uh, good stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep our eyes out for that paper bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you br- you brought that up. You know, because they you know they play fun on the words you know Sisyphus instead of syphilis and all the different things. You know, it's it's very well done there. And um, I just think it's such a good movie for teaching because it's like you know we find out as the movie goes on that she had this what she she kissed. Uh, this this boy when she was like in third grade and he remembers being the hero uh, that she came and, and she was the hero and he wanted to be her hero when they were in fifth grade and how all of that got washed out of memory, stuffed out of memory so that we see her when she's, you know, maybe a senior in high school and chasing Rob, uh, this guy that is just totally into fame and himself, it's like, he's, Rob is a good symbol of narcissism. Uh, as soon as she basically says, I'm breaking up with you, he can't even believe it, and then I, sh- I, sh- oh, I should have gone for Ellie or whoever. You know, he, he's, he's like a, the symbol of everything about physicality, narcissism, uh, lack of communication, insecurity, and all this and this, and then the one that that she had from the third grade memories, the fifth grade memories was, was like her mighty companion uh, that was there all along. The mighty companion, that's a pretty strong symbol too. The mighty companion was there all along, wanting to be her hero, uh, wanting to be there for her no matter what. You know, very much the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And even in terms of the world, yeah, you picked right up on that, that... Uh, that's a pretty strong teaching there of how the Holy Spirit just gets pushed out of awareness and then the mind goes for the popularity, the fame, sex appeal, all the things you know that are more just ego uh, lure, alluring uh, things to try to distract the mind. So yeah, beautiful commentary there once again, Stephen, on pulling out the thim- symbology for us. Okay, um, did we want to, okay, let me unmute him here. I didn't see him talking. 
Go ahead. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Eric. Sorry, sorry for that inter, um, interlude there, but I just what, what you were saying was that the saying of no and the power of the no. And I, I remember Miguel Ruiz teaching, if you can say no to the thing you think you want the most and learn how to say no to th that temptation, uh, anything that's going to pull my attention in, in, into a belief that I'm this form, I'm, I'm a body, and of course everything is programmed that way. You have to say basically no to everything, um, which, which makes sense, but, but easier said than done. But thank you, David. It's just so helpful to see it in this context and have all this other stuff float in and then your framing of that and, and the opening. Again, thank you, all the, the classic <laughs> control, approval, commitment. Oh, man, there I am, crucified, but no, no, not really. Um, resurrected, actually. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, next I'll go to Frank. Go ahead, Frank. Hi. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for, for this. I, you know, I have to say I really enjoy this, uh, this um, Wednesday afternoon gig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it's intimate. It's great. And I was... Uh, uh, you know, I was thinking, wow, you know, I never know what anything is for and, and the, the, this virus and, and it's because of this virus, we have this stuff, I get to see you every week. And, um, and I really love it. I have to say, you know, I really made a point here. I want to be, I want to do this, you know, today. And, uh, but, uh, the movie brought up something, you know, um, well, this this uh, loop she's in, and I, I could relate not really to the loops, although the loop as well, but but uh, the fact that she was forced into it feels like she was forced into something. And I remember when you know after I came back from my exile in Switzerland, which I didn't like so much, and then I was back in California, and I and I had it all again. You know, it was that uh, my horses, Emma was in Santa Barbara. You know, I had it all, and uh, I was so happy to be back and. You know, and I remember the day uh, when I said, oh, God, it's all there. And the reason I say this, because I could relate to the four girls walking into the school, you know, because that was, you know, that concept. And I could really relate to, uh, yeah, but then there was nothing to look at, you know, things were, it's, it's being asleep. And so I was asleep then. And um and then the, the night when I really was the happiest, you know, I drove back from Santa Barbara and, you know, I go up to my ranch and I'm playing with my horses, it's <laughs> still night, and I look around and the whole of Santa Barbara is on fire, you know, and that was it. And it was the beginning of the end, you know, for me. Then the mudslides came and, the, you know, and it was just, oh, and the year after <laughs> we were together with my, you know, it was, and I think, what is this and it's the same for her you know she had to there was something and during the movie I felt the comfort when I saw that scene you know I felt the comfort she had and and I have to admit I said why can't I have both <laughs> so I just wanted to expose that you know why, why can't I have both and and um uh, why did it have to be and I know I would never be 
you know, I would probably be doing it, but maybe 10%, you know, or if I wouldn't have been. And the loop, you know, for me now is, uh, you know, I, I, um, I have the pain and, um, and I am, um, you know, the loop is the self-pity about the pain. And Jeffrey's really helping me because he just won't have it. He won't listen to it. And I'm getting really pissed off when he doesn't. So, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I couldn't, you know, I mean, it had to be that way. It had to be that way. And I'm seeing, you know, and I have to say my pain has diminished in the, in the last week because I've been going into these moments when, I really feel the Christ, you know, I really feel it. And then I just get, you know, and then I just breathe in and I say, give everything to you, you know, and it really is something. It's like um, things are moving and uh, uh, yeah, that, um, that loop to and then, you know, it really works well. And then the next day the ego comes back. And and even with words, this is never going to work. You have a condition. It's not going to go away. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm really going to, uh, um, uh, to, to, to the causes and condition. And I, I, I know Diana is watching, and I really want to thank her for telling me in Zurich, you know, the causes and condition, and it really stayed with me, and that's what I'm doing. I'm doing that with the tapping. I'm doing that, you know, and I can see there's so many causes and conditions in my, you know, self-pity, uh, pleasure in, I, I, there's some sick pleasure in entertaining even this pain, and I'm uncovering it, and... Uh, yeah, you know, um, it had, you know, my wor world had to be really shaken for me to get there. And I saw it, but I was longing for the comfort when I saw the, you know, her whole little, I mean, her lifestyle was, her, her the way she did was totally different, but I could feel the feeling, you know. She's comfortably asleep in this bullshit, you know, and so um, yeah. So so the movie brought up this uh, self pity there, uh, saying, "Yeah, why can't couldn't it be just back to California?" And it was great, and you know, it was. I mean, at one point, Eric was part of it too. He came to see me there. We were playing, and I was playing the flute. We had a big fire going. Oh my God, I'm back in paradise. And boom, you know, like in in Inception, you know, everything started to go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah. So so this is where I'm, and I'm very grateful. But um, yeah, sometimes I, I I get I feel sorry for myself that it had to be, or it has to be that way, you know. Yeah. It's all coming though. I, I think just your enthusiasm and excitement to just join in every Wednesday, like I think last Wednesday, you know, when we watched uh, I Can Only Imagine, you know, you were able to zoom in out of the whole movie, uh, the father saying to the son, you know, chase your dream. Out of the whole movie, one line, let your, 
your heart up, which is good because that means that you're zooming in on the purpose. Uh, and then, you know, with things that seem to happen in the world, of course, the, the split desire, you know, can I have both? Can I have both? You know, it, then you, you go, through, like right now, this the pandemic, but I do remember there was that time when you were, uh, when you and Lisa were just watching the screen and you were watching the fire uh, burn out in California and you were watching this fire come completely over your ranch. And you're just like, what? That, talk about pandemic, that was Frank's pandemic. You know, your idyllic uh, horse ranch out there. And then you watch the screen, like a radar screen, like a, instead, of, instead of being a storm, it's a fire. And it, you just watch it go right over uh, your whole ranch, like a, a devastation point, like, but my, no, that was, that was my happy, it was my happy dream, and it's just the fire just took it out, uh, right over the top of it. And so you watch the pattern happen where it's like the spirit's graciously saying, not, not that, not that, and then when you hear, like, chase your dream, it's really like, it's really like you're getting into your calling now, you know, with what you and Jeffrey are doing, uh, right now is is just day by day you're being drawn towards something you can feel it you know there's something taking you and then, of course the ego is wanting to focus on the pain and it's wanting to try to say no no over here here is trying to get your attention no no it's back over here but you're you're kind of in the tractor beam now even today it was so great because I had this movie on my screen and and it was this kind of wild uh, movie about racism and all these things. And then you're with Jeffrey in your glory. And then Jeffrey butt dials uh, my phone, which shuts my computer. It knocked the whole, uh, the whole movie off my screen with uh, Jeffrey's butt dial when you guys are just in your glory. So I call you back and you're just like, yeah, yeah, whoa, we got so many miracles. Oh, I gotta, we got to tell you some of the miracles. And you see, that's what's drawing you. That's, the miracle is drawing you. That's the only way that it really works, uh, is you just, you keep your attention and your faith into being taken in the miracle. That's just you trying to be truly helpful. That's just you joining with Jeffrey in how can we help? How can we help? How can we be of help? And so I think it's good that, like I was saying with Esther, you just kind of focus on that. And it, it, it will win out. <laughs> Believe me, it's, the pain is not, is not in a good position to win this one. Uh, you know, the, the calling and the joy, the, it eventually just takes over. It, it just, the light just is, it just extends and radiates. So, you're you're on it, you know. You guys are on it. Thank you for that that butt dial call today. That was a that was a beautiful thing. That gave me my siesta time before this uh, movie, so I could be really lively tonight. <laughs> it was, all works together for good. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Uh, sweet, sweet, sweet. Of Kristen, go ahead, Kristen. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Kristen. Um, I feel um, fear of speaking, and I have 
kind of come to feel this fear as really a fear of a fear of love, a fear of like speaking for the prayer of love and the the place where um you know I used to think it was a fear of bodies and a fear of like other people listening um but the scene that I found most poignant that brought me to tears and it did the first time I watched it too was that last day and that day in which she's just in so much peace and surrender and where everything every moment is just a pure moment of vision and love and blessing and like it's the true overlooking you know anything that she had judged along the way as the darkness came up just became overlooked to see the blessing in in all of life like that it was all just for joining and union and I could feel my own um, like longing and the catch for feeling such a clarity of purpose, such an absolute um, surrender for this knowing what the entire day, what every action was for. And so I think it's, it was also that level of commitment, you know, she's in like absolute commitment and then everything just drops away and time drops away and tomorrow drops away. These, these no longer exist. And so I can feel that, um, I can feel that that's available and I, I can feel that such a prayer to really be in the flow of that. And I also want to express my gratitude because being here, being with you, you know, this is such, this is always the moment of offering that door to the right in the matrix, just showing the door and that the door is open and that the door is always available and that the choice is waiting. And so I just, I thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Kristen. Thank you. It's so beautiful. Like that, that sequence of that final day too, um, I particularly enjoyed this time through how when she came to Lindsay and um, she starts off with Lindsay like, why didn't you t ever tell me that uh, your parents were divorced? Soft, opening little question there. Uh, and even Lindsay was, you know, like, oh yeah, it happened a thousand, tell you that after it happened a thousand years ago, you know. Again, but she didn't stop there, then she just stayed there in such presence in presence, and then big hug. Just, I mean, the soft question, why didn't you tell me about your parents' divorce, the pause, and then the big hug, and then you could just see the face for a moment, just the mask of Lindsay just dropped just for the moment of, and as she said, you know, you don't, you don't have to always be the strong one, you know, be so strong, and then the masks you know, started <laughs> to come back right away, but you just, it, that is such a great sequence because it just shows us that she could be right there with her, what used to be the besties, she could be right in that scene and just be so relaxed and non-judgmental and loving and accepting and then sitting down. What I really love about you, what I really love, you know, you could just see it just coming out that's, that's such a great example. That's like a teaching example 
of, of how that feels to be in that much love, you know, to overlook the error and just the love just poured out so easily for her and naturally. So I'm glad you noticed that and, and also the, just the gratitude and appreciation for what we share, you know, on these joinings, you know, it, it is a strong reminder and people do reflect that back. They say, oh, it's great. I love the feeling of that connection and it lingers. It lingers. It goes on after the, the movie's over. You know, it's just still, it's burning strong, burning bright. So thank you so much. That's, ever since you really joined with us and, and just coming on the online retreats and just sharing about how, how intense it got to be in your life. You know, like feeling, uh, like you really, you know, didn't really know if you had a reason to live. And I think those are the things that are important too, because sometimes when people reach that point where they, they don't really see an option in uh, time and space, it's kind of like, the, like in 12 steps, you really kind of hit the rock bottom. Then the prayer, oh, the prayer of the heart goes out, you know, this I want to live, I want to, but I want to truly, I want to love, you know, there's, I want to know my innocence, it just kind of rises up, and then everything seems to turn, you know, the witnesses you call forth, and everything seems to just come to the point of just turning you towards your deepest prayer. So, I'm, it's been kind of just an honor to be with you on this, to, to see you share. You reach that point, and then you know, you turned. And, and now, thank God. <laughs> and, you know, thank God you turned, because that's, that's made all the difference. And now, you, you know, you're just beaming. So it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. Wow. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Okay, well, that's all of our hands at the moment. Very good. What a beautiful night. <laughs> oh, your faces say it all. Your faces say it all. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's, we always look forward to it. Um, our joinings like this are having such an impact that uh, Svava says, why is it always Wednesday? <laughs> she, joining with you, she has literally forgotten six days of the week and she's asking me, why is it always Wednesday? So that's a, that's a testimony to the power of these joinings. <laughs> she's like, it's Wednesday again, yes. <laughs> So that's good. That's a, that's a nice uh, reminder for us. So thank you very much. And if we put these uh, polls out uh, on Facebook, then just tell us. Uh, yeah, that that really helps steer us into the movies, uh, the the polls and the, what you share with us. And then we we come together, and it's kind of fun. We're here with ISO, and we don't really know uh, what movie's gonna come forth, but it just, it always works out great. It always just emerges.
to the, the perfect uh, movie. So thank you for your prayers to, to be with us in this. And yeah, uh, my heart goes out. I'm so grateful. So thank you. Again, <laughs> a wonderful night. Ha, ha, ha.